I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Commitment, blood, sweat, and tears. Do whatever it takes to get what you need. I mean, I'm 5'8", so when I say I play basketball, they laugh. You gotta be like seven foot tall. So like just commitment and hard work. If you want to get somewhere, you've got to work harder and you've got to be persistent and you've got to eat, breathe, and shit. Okay, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Josh, you're on that bullshit, bringing these dubstep guys around. Or maybe you're thinking, what is dubstep? Or maybe you're thinking, Josh, you're on that bullshit. At least you brought these dubstep guys around. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I have no idea what you're thinking. But our guests today are Casper and Rusko, uh, pioneers of, of dubstep before it blew up and became the big festival thing that you hear today. Um, these guys were doing it. They came together in 2009 for a mix CD called Fabric Live Volume 37 that was kind of a game changer and, and really put dubstep on the map globally uh, after it was kind of coming out of London. So they took a bunch of time off, or I should say they, they've been doing their own thing separately and have now come back together after a while. And uh, in our interview, we're going to dig into what they've been up to and what it takes to make a partnership like that work and, um, you know, how you stay in the game. If you're not a dubstep head, you'll you'll uh, understand that music really changes really quickly. And so to have um, longevity in that genre takes uh, takes some special attention. So we'll get into the interview after this, our EDM.com track of the week. Lock off your blows, Oscar.
Yeah, we're back with Rebel Radio. That was our EDM.com track of the week. This one was from the guests themselves, Casper and Rusko. A new track called Blouse and Skirt. A banger, if you're into that kind of thing. And uh, Rebel Radio is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. On Dash Radio, our new time slot starting next week, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. Don't miss it live. And you can always find us on social media on our new Facebook page or on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. And now let's get into the interview with Casper and Rusko. Uh, but first of all, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you guys here. Yeah, I uh, I've been a fan <laughs> of what you're doing since since Fabric Live. And um, and I'm especially excited because, you know, I think the British accents are going to make us all sound a lot smarter, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Ladies love it. Uh, I'm sure they do. Ladies love it. I'm sure. So you can talk in your regular accent if you want to let that go. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, is that put on then? Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The British accent is totally, yeah, that, that's like fake. <laughs> I, I have a Valley Girl accent. Right. And in real life, yeah. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> Besides, you got the show tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. everything. Nice. Yeah, got to press. Yeah, no, we just yeah, I think doing a bit of press and he's sorting out a bit of because he still lives here, kind of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've got my whole of my house to sort out and move. You're moving out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the process of moving back to England. So okay. Yeah, I got that all that thing? to take care of. Why? Why are you moving? Oh, it's the weather. Yeah, I miss the uh, I miss the rain. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, time to time to move back to get the old, just get the UK vibes back. Okay. Yeah. I miss the UK vibes. How does that change your your creativity living? Oh, loads. Place like this, yeah. Loads, yeah. How so? Uh, I don't know. I suppose like the, the my like I suppose the music that I'm personally most fond of was done mainly when I was back living in the UK. Yeah. So sort of being back in the UK brings the same sort of vibes and I'm sort of trying to channel and that same kind of feeling that I was getting back. Yeah. Sort of seven, eight years ago before I moved, which yeah. is when I wrote a lot of the classic tracks that a lot of people like. Sure. And I still have a lot of fondness for. So trying to kind of capture the same the same vibe. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, you know, I think that's one of the things uh, that we're discovering in this show is that, you know, your music is an output of, of what you're experiencing at a certain mm. time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, as life changes and, you know, especially when you're first starting out, right, you're kind of yeah. doing your thing and next thing you know, you're on planes and, you know, backstage and yeah. surrounded by who knows what. It's like, it's just oh, a totally God, different yeah. scenario, right? Yeah, totally. And that has to have an effect on your music. You don't write music. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. sure. you're doing everything but what you want to do. Right. Yeah, definitely. But you are doing what you want, but you're not. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, sure. You start out doing what you want, and then you end up doing stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah, I've made my goal where I want to be DJing all over the world. Then you're like, actually, I don't like it. I want to go back to my bedroom uh-huh. and just write music. Because yeah. when I'm out here, the the old saying, more money, more problems. It is. Right. Yeah. It's just, just you know... It's the balance. Yeah. It's trying to get the balance. Less is more. Sure. And without the music, because you know what people do, they write music for so long, then they blow up, and then they tour like crazy for like three, four years. Mm-hmm. And in that time, they write no music, mm. and they throw out a few remixes, and then you come back, and there's not been no music out, there's no shows coming. 
So it's like you've got to get that balance right of saying no to stuff to keep the music flowing. Because without the music, it doesn't nothing means nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just getting that really that balance. And I think that's what's good this time around with us. We're kind of we've done so much. I think we know where to keep the weight balanced. Yeah. Uh, you know, you guys connected. You had uh, Fabric Live. I think was an important record at the time for what was happening with with dubstep mm, it was really time. sort of yeah. you know emerging as a genre yeah and you know you guys had a big hit and that that became part of it and now the genre has seen loads of changes yeah definitely <laughs> in that time yeah um and and you guys have had had your own path within that and so and now you're back together mm. um so I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what did you learn along the way and what did, what's brought you back together now? Well, uh, uh, a good coincidence is that um, w without knowing it, um, I took, you know, the best, best part of this year off. You know, no, no gigs, just mm. took some time off and decided to go back to England and see my family and friends back there and stuff. And Casper uh, at the same time took a load of time off from gigs. And the idea was that we both, you know, get off the road for a while and write some music and just kind of get go back to basics. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was just a happy coincidence. Yeah, without without even knowing it, we both decided to do that. Mm. And, uh, and I decided to go back to the UK to spend my time off there. And uh, and yeah, we we just decided, we I I you know just little text to each other was hey should we get in the studio and yeah. see if we can still do a track you know just let's hang out for a day and just hang out and smoke and see if we can make a tune again kind of thing and that turned into two days and two tracks which turned into another two days the next week and 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 that kind of spiraled out of control and my. My month-long visit to the UK to see family and friends and make a tune with Casper turned into moving house permanently to the UK, <laughs> making a whole album and booking a show and, and all the rest of it. So yeah, that's nice. uh, from my side, kind yeah, it was, of it was, uh, how it all went. It was nice because it was just um, natural. You know, you know like the best things are always organic. Mm -hmm. And when you force stuff, it sometimes kind of bites you in the ass or it translates, people are not stupid. Yeah. They know when they're being sold something and it's fake. But sometimes they're all right with it and they do it. But on this occasion, it was so natural and so organic. And we we just went in the studio and it. we haven't been in the studio together for I'd say seven, eight years. Mm. We haven't yeah. like okay. stood next to each other in the studio. And then it was like we'd never left. It was like eight years ago. Nice. You know, back in West London. And I think when you've got a chemistry like that with someone, it's very unique and very special. Yeah, and so we was like, let's not do all the stuff that we hate for a long time. Mm -hmm. Let's just write music and have so much fun, and that's all we're doing. That's and that's why it was like, do you want to do a tour? We're like, no, don't want to do a tour. Yeah, we just want to write music and we want to do a show and we want to celebrate it. Mm -hmm. And then if stuff happens afterwards, then it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We're cool with that. Yeah, and because we went went it with that kind of mentality, I think um, it's translating. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think the show is kind of a message like, hey, we're back and we've got a ton of new music. You know, that's 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 kind of it's just sort yeah. of letting people know that we're back mm -hmm. and then we can follow that one big show with all the music yeah. before we, you know, come back again and, and, yeah. and do more shows or whatever, yeah. whatever follows that. Yeah. So how does it feel different now to when you, you guys were starting out together? Doesn't. That's the fun thing. It feels exactly the same. Okay. 
to it. It feels like it was when we first started out. Mm. Like, oh, we want to we wanna be DJing. We, wanna, we want people to hear our music. We want people to know who we are. It's the same again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the generation has shifted, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now we're just appealing to people who know who we are and maybe a younger audience who mm-hmm. will check out and go, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, what else have they done? Maybe they pick up the Fabric CD because maybe when it come out, it was only 10 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's the best thing about you know, being in, in the gap of, of seven, eight years, between, you know, mm. how long it's been since we made tracks. We didn't get together and try and do it at all during that time. That's the, the good thing about it. It's kind of like we can recapture the vibe that we had before because mm. we didn't kind of try and dirty it or, or, or do anything. It's kind of, we've kind of preserved mm. the memory yeah. of how it was before and we've come back to it so, so long after the initial event that we can sort of capture the vibe and go right back into it. And we're still having the weekly weekly studio sessions, still making tracks, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Nice. As long as that's going on, then then that's, that's the best thing really because that's the most fun and that's, what we both love doing the most. Yeah, and early on, I think it's just about, it's just the excitement and the buzz. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, that's that's all we want to do. Like, it's super selfish, but we've done so much in, in the mm-hmm. last eight years. Like, I'm, I'm not, and I think Chris is not, we're not trying to prove anything. Mm-hmm. We've proved, we can show you the list and the discog and what we've mm-hmm. done and the tours and where we played and who we played next to. We're not trying to prove anything. We're just having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're hoping it translates. That's all it is. Mm. So it feels exactly the same, to answer yeah. your question, which is great. Nice. Yeah. It's like splitting up with your ex and then getting back with Vern. It's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> which is oh, strange. Said it on. <laughs> 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 but no, we saved it. We saved it to the... We could have We could have rinsed it and we could have done the tours in between our tours. And yeah. at one point, I did think oh, we've missed out on an opportunity because dubstep's really popping and we're not going to do this. Sure. Mm-hmm. But... I think it was nothing before its time. And I think if we'd have done it, it wouldn't have been a special now. So why did you guys stop? We're just too busy. Yeah. yeah. It, it, we, this, this is the thing that people have to remember. We're not a duo. We're individual mm-hmm. artists. Mm-hmm. We just come together because yeah. we were like-minded. We were writing similar style tunes, yeah. a similar yeah. vision. And we was DJing together. And we only, If you look at our catalogue, we've probably made 10 tunes together. Mm-hmm. That's not really a duo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we come together for the Fabric CD because we had we was writing music together and we was playing the same sort of stuff. And the Fabric CD is pretty much all individual tracks as well. And it's all yeah, individual tracks. tracks. Yeah, there's yeah. hardly any collabs on there. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like two individual artists that blew up together and we was like, oh, great. But now we're going to carry on mm-hmm. on our paths. And, right. and then, of course, like pretty... Pretty soon after that, mm. I moved out to the to LA. So yeah, geographically, it makes yeah, it quite sure. hard to work together. You know, yeah, yeah. five thousand miles. Mm. Sure. <laughs> well, take us back to the beginning a little bit. I'm I'm curious to know how you how you guys got started. What was the um, uh, you know, what was your introdu- introduction to music and and kind of how did you know that this was your path? Um, how how did we us two together or, or individually? Uh, well, individually. Um, that back music background. Oh, okay. Um, so I know you studied music, right? Chris? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's alleged that I studied music. <laughs> okay. Um, I spent two months at the music college before <laughs> oh. I left, and they spent the next like five years 
publicizing how I was like their star student. They put sure. me in all their literature and everything. <laughs> so I had them take me out. But um, yeah, it's it's quite it's like everywhere that I that I studied music. Yeah. Uh, no, I left school at sixteen. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I did. I did music. But um, yeah, I kind of did and you on left my school own. To be a DJ. I left. I left school. Yeah, just to play music. You know, I was playing in bands and I was playing saxophone and mm. and bass guitar and I played in a reggae ska band and and all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah, I left school to do music. Yeah, nice. yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, the whole the whole music school thing. Um, yeah. That's followed me around everywhere. <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy. It's uh, you know, Wikipedia tells us. I know, I know. It's nuts. It's yeah. nuts. But yes, no. But yeah, I, I was pretty much spending the whole time, just you know, learning new instruments and. But you always knew you wanted to be a musician. Yeah, that's all I ever did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why I. That's why I didn't really get on with the whole school system per se. And then when did it start to music. feel like a career? Um, I guess after after I linked up with the. Uh, with Casper, who was running, running, just set up Dub Police, the label, mm -hmm. and uh, I guess uh, when we put the first vinyl out, really, mm -hmm. when we put the first vinyl release out, three tracks on a twelve-inch vinyl that was, you know, available all around Europe, and that was uh, that was probably the moment. Yeah, that was the moment when I decided to move down to London. Yeah, to you know live near Casper and live where all the clubs and all the dubstep nights were happening so that that vinyl being released for me was kind of the the catalyst for me moving out from my place way up in the sticks mm -hmm. down to london and uh, that was sort of the okay yeah this is this is it now so that's yeah. that's kind of when i mm. quit the day job so to speak yeah and so do you remember a moment so you had you had uh, the label and uh you know you're making sort of Records pretty early in, in the dubstep world. I was just DJing. Yeah. Because I, I I don't play any instruments. I'm not musical at all. Yeah. As far as that goes, um, I've just learnt, and just by practicing and knowing how'd what sounds good, and knowing how to press a few buttons, it's kind of how I get my sound. How'd you learn to DJ? Somebody teach you? <laughs> no. I mean, music's always kind of been in my household. My, I've got two brothers, um, that and they're both record collectors. My dad's a record collector. My dad's into like, hugely into punk. Mm. And my older brother was like the solely the guy that got me into hip hop because he was way into hip hop, you know, like got me into Mob Deep, Wu Tang, Talib Kweli, all the raucous records kind of stuff, mm -hmm. Gangstar. That was kind of like through going into his room and stealing his records. And then my little brother was into like in like 60s bands and kind of stuff. Mm. So we've got music, love, and passion mm -hmm. in the household, but no one plays instruments apart from my little brother. And what was the so? Do you remember the first record that really like had an impact on you? Yeah, I remember like as a kid, because the thing is, like I was saying this yesterday to someone, that in the UK, especially in London, we didn't go out of our way, out of our way to listen to dance music. It was in our blood. Yeah. Like jungle and hardcore and UK garage and mm -hmm. that was just standard. You standardly listen to that. What's well, on the radio? Yeah, it's on the radio. It's on pirate yeah. radio. It's everywhere. It's like that's just what you grow up on. Mm -hmm. So. Naturally, I just wanted to just DJ and buy a few records in the bedroom. But going back, I remember my first real introduction to dance music for myself was there was a tune by Snap called Rhythm is a Dancer. Yeah. And I bought that on tape cassette. Nice. And I heard that and it just blew my mind. I was like, wow, what is this? Yeah. 
How do you then? How was I then? That, that come out in, I'm showing my age, I think I was 10. Mm -hmm. Maybe younger yeah. when that come out. Yeah. Um, and I bought it on cassette. And um, yeah, that for me was like, I, used to, I, I knew of like hardcore and jungle, but actually owning a bit of music, that was my first mm -hmm. bit of music that I went out and bought and purchased. So um, yeah, and just, the, just well, actually, I used to play basketball. That's mm -hmm. my background. Yeah. And um, I had a scholarship to a school in Maryland. Um, I played for England, um, but I dislocated my shoulder like way too many times. And they was kind of like, you're not gonna, this is the prime of your career, you're not gonna play for a long time. Yeah. So I didn't go to America. I ended up not playing for England, going on the tournament. So music was always in my background. And so I kind of went out and bought a few records and just wanted to just DJ in the bedroom and that. And it went from that into like, oh, I wonder if I could make what I've got in my head. And then mm -hmm. finding out about kind of like when Gar UK Garage is really dark, it started getting very dark and forward thinking. I was like, oh, what's, I like that kind of sound. Yeah. How do I make that? And that's kind of how I really fast forwarded into, uh, let me just try and mess around. And was there a garage record that really like caught you? Yeah, there was a there was a record when garage was all like girly, champagne, bubbly mm -hmm. kind of style. There was a record called Safe Soul, and it was by a guy called DJ Narrows, mm. and it was yeah, that's good tune. That come out, and it is so dark. When you listen to it now, it's not that dark, but at the time it was yeah. so dark, and it, but it was so bubbly still, it still had that garish skank. That changed it for me, I was like, what is this? You know the music that didn't save my life. If it wasn't for the music, I don't know what we'd do. dark side of it and that was really the really really early stages of kind of it's very drum and bass sounds wasn't it very yeah. drum and bass sounds yeah yeah but like sort well, of the garage tempo garage dubstepy tempo and then yeah. it's kind of everything for me spiraled from that yeah well you know one thing that stood out to me you know i went back this week and was listening to some of your guys music mm. and um and there's a lot of that that darkness there's a lot of dub Mm. right in there and um it's certainly not you know it's funny because it kind of been a while and it, it wasn't what i think of as dubstep today yeah i mean the records just sound totally different yeah um wh what do you think about where the music's gone um <laughs> definitely changed a lot it's definitely changed a lot um I think it's, I think the more popular side of it um, has become the accepted yeah. form of it, which is, is generally the harder, more dance floor side of it. Mm. And, and there's a much, much more different musical sides to it and different styles of dubstep, mm -hmm. but um, they're nowhere near as popular. And a lot of people just accept dubstep as, as the super hard tear out you know unfortunately yeah, yeah that's kind of metal like, type stuff you know that's what a lot of the general public sort of when you say dubstep oh god right oh god it's so noisy and you're like yeah because of what you've heard probably i get right. it. Yeah. sure and when you think of dubstep 
if you don't know dubstep, the first thing I mentioned is probably someone like Squid X or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, let's, let, come here. Let me take you. Come listen to this. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is dubstep. I oh, know. I like this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is like kind of where it started. Oh yeah. right. Oh no, I like this stuff. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. You know what I'm saying? I think. So how much of that is is good for the culture, and how much of it is is hurts the culture? It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. The fact that dubstep. You can't take away of what it is and what it's done. It is a global virus mm-hmm. that took over the world. Like, there's been no music, in my opinion, that has done what dubstep has done. I agree. Mm-hmm. Every single country in the world embraced it. Yeah. That's nuts. And it all come from London. Yeah. London. Like, you can fit England and California four times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> London. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. Right. That's crazy. So when you hear, I think it's Britney Spears as a new track. That's uh, what's what was it called? Okay, that's like got a dubstep track. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Yeah. Um, how how does that feel when you when you see stuff like that? I think Taylor Swift does too. Okay. I think a lot of people as well like when they hear a halftime pattern. Yeah. Like, oh, that's dubstep. It's like, well, it's just halftime pattern. Right. I've just slowed it down a little bit and put yeah. a couple of reverb yeah, snares in it. It's just a half track that kind of goes to, to, to half half time. Rhythm, yeah. You know, yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, you definitely hear. By, by, that, by yeah. that definition, you could call like 90s boys to men slow jams dubstep. You know, they have the same drum pattern. You've got the big snares, you know sure. what I mean? That's it, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not really dubstep. Okay. And I think, you know, when something's popular, it's popular mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so people want to embrace it and take a little bit of that and go that's popular oh that's cool let me see if i can add a little bit of that on here because if mm-hmm. i do then this might be popular yeah if french horns were popular it would have a french horn solo on yeah. it you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. like look look it's at grab look at trap yeah for instance a typical example when it blew up trap is really like it's not nothing new mm-hmm. it's just been kind of made into more of a dance ex- dance style patterned lay out the music right. do you know what I'm saying but n- now you hear every advert or on TV that's selling mayonnaise or selling something else it's got like a hey hey like a trap beat behind it why because an 808 because why because that's what's popular yeah. so they want to try and take a little bit of it and that happened to dubstep it happens to every music mm-hmm. when it gets house now as well like house is popular so everyone's doing the house beats and you know it com- trends come and go so how much of that evolution has influence the music that you guys are making now i mean when we're talking about uk evolution because when you listen back to the old stuff like you said it has a particular sound and style it's nothing like now right. how we make music and how we've gone back to making music is like what are our influences and it is straight up uk music mm-hmm. it's jungle it's reggae it's dub jungle and garage and garage yeah, yeah. that's what we grew up on mm-hmm. and that's why we made the stuff we made then so we're kind of like well let's go back to those influences and do it with all the new production and ideas that we, that we've kind of learned over it, the yeah. last seven years, and kind of tell, I tell our our sort of dubstep minds <laughs> and fingers yeah. having a go at doing jungle and garage and all mm. those type of sounds, and mm. you know it kind of comes out sounding really like back to basics. Yeah, but we definitely consciously um, avoided doing anything, you know, like big eight oh eight drums and. Mm. <laughs> rolling hi-hats and all you know yeah we've definitely avoided any any obvious places mm. um mm-hmm. and by doing so um it kept and also we dug out all the um 
all the old folders of sounds like down to drum hits and mm, and cool. synth presets and stuff so mm. it's all it's all obviously new tracks but yeah. but even even down to the individual elements like the snare drums and stuff uh we dug out all the old fold like 10 year old folders so we've been using uh sort of new new programs to sort of arrange old materials yeah like it will sound a bit fatter and, and meta yeah. it's kind of like yeah like revamped and fatter but cool it definitely you know you could definitely listen to 10 of the old tracks next to 10 of the new tracks mm. and it would sound consistent nice 100% yeah but yeah as far as the evolution goes of it I mean we've we've gone full circle with it really yeah I feel like it's it, t it took a you know it got so big and so commercial and then that kind of burst a little bit and then mm -hmm. it's still going it's still very much popular sure. very much moving through and very strong but the commercial side of it for me the fact that it you know it come down a bit was great mm -hmm. it gives it a bit of breathing space because mm -hmm. yeah. at one point it was like every page at dubstep oh god the dubstep oh god so no wonder why people got sick of the word do you know what i'm saying dubstep because yeah. it was yeah. in, it was everywhere so let's give someone else a go. Leave us alone for a sec. Sure. Let us just kind of, and then once you do that, then everyone goes, oh, that's not popular. Oh, I'm gonna go. And, I'm gonna go and do this. Great, you go. Mm -hmm. it, I feel like it's a f like it's been it's filtered. Like a filter, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. You, just, you know when you filter water and, mm -hmm. and all the crap gets stuck in the filter and then you throw the filter. Yeah, we're we're back to the good goodness, which right. is that's the, why the we water both we took drink. time mm -hmm. off the road to uh, to have the studio time. You yeah. know, yeah. It's, it, we now is a good time to sort of get back in and and sort of get creative and, and use that you know yeah. there's there's a gap now yeah and and we're ready to plug it like there was when we started <laughs> mm -hmm. like there yeah. was when we started there was a gap then we took yeah. it and we took it and there's a gap again now it's been long enough yeah differently so you mentioned uh your your experience playing basketball mm. what what did you learn from playing basketball that you applied to your to your music commitment blood sweat and tears mm. do whatever it takes to get what you need Mm -hmm. Within reason, mm. do you know what I mean? If you, if you want, I mean, I'm five foot eight, so when I say play basketball, they're like, "Oh, you're a bit small, you know." Especially in the UK, they're like, oh, "Basketball, when you got to be like seven foot tall." Yeah. It's like, no, it's point guards. Muggsy Bogues is five three. Uh -huh. <laughs> so like, it's just commitment and hard work. If you want to get somewhere, you've got to work hard at it, and you've mm -hmm. got to be persistent. And you've got to eat, breathe, and shit. So talk about how that's played out in in your music career. I suppose. That's what I've done. I've just translated my energy from basketball into music and kind of done the same thing. I've like, nurtured a label and brought artists through on it and kind of um, done that. Um, I mean, I think it's been the main reason why I've, it's got me where I've got. Mm. It's because I've just taken what I've done in that and just moved it over to something else. Um, I guess. I don't know. You know? No, that makes I sense. Yeah, I think I sure. think that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I love something, I just go. I go. That's it. It's like, you know, full steam ahead on it, mm -hmm. and I'll I'll do everything for it. And hard yeah. work, hard work can still be really enjoyable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the lesson that I've learned. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So when have you guys seen um, that commitment tested? Right. You're gonna hit. You're gonna have high and low points. Yeah. So can you give us a, a you know, a, a point where you had to really summon that that commitment to push through? Uh, oh, I mean, usually touring, I think. 
you know, 50, 50 odd date tours where you're away yeah. for two or three months. That's where really it, it could be. And you just can't work on any music either. Mm-hmm. That for me is what, what drives me crazy. Not the exhaustion or the jet lag or anything else. It's the it's the not being able to be creative for like two mm-hmm. months. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely been the that's always the, yeah. the hardest point. Mm. No matter how good the shows at the end of the tour are, sometimes it can be it can be brutally hard. But yeah, I've been on tour. I've I've gone on a two month tour, a married man, and come back divorced mm. with all the locks changed. Wow. that was kind of hard. Yeah, yeah, I would that imagine. Was quite testing. Mm. Yeah, that's my jolly happy answer. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, so you guys don't love the road. I get that. No, um, we do. No, no, no. Do, do, do. do. Okay. Definitely do. But it's, it's, it will swallow you up. Yeah. Is, yeah. is what it is. It's like you've got to be careful because if you're doing, like you said, 50 dates all yeah. in over like two months and every night there's things around you that can, you know what I'm saying, yeah. make it a little bit more difficult. You've got to be aware of like at some points to be like, geez, you know, because it can. It's just it's mm-hmm. easy, isn't it, to kind of just get involved and just right. have that as standard. Mm-hmm. You so know what I mean? From a business standpoint, that seems like the the right way to go, right? To make these tours long, yeah, get as yeah. much money as possible. So like, not doing, not going in that direction, are you guys sacrificing some pieces of business for creative freedom? Uh, somewhat, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But. That's the fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, going and doing tours, easy. doesn't make it... You don't wake up with a knot in your stomach thinking, mm-hmm. I've got to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I want I want to... For me personally, not speaking for Chris, but I want to make it happen with the music. Because I know that once people hear the music, we'll be able to do what we want. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so one of the things we've heard from, from uh, DJs is that, you know taking a tune out to a crowd and playing it live in front of them or real time in front of them and seeing the energy, right, that that's really helped them, you know, learning to read a room. Yeah. And, you know, it's helped guide how they approach making music. Is that, um, I don't know if that's true for everybody. Is that is that valuable for you? Is that necessary? I think it's bullshit. Okay. Yeah. If I'm blunt. Yeah. Because what does blunt. that matter? You go and play a tune and people are like, yeah, woo like great you're like oh everyone loves this when you release keep making tr- more when you release a new track a new single the percentage of people that are going to be hearing it at your gig compared to hearing it on their headphones yeah. or mm-hmm. like on their home speakers yeah. is, is minuscule really yeah. yeah you can't judge one room's reaction in the middle of a club night because mm-hmm. just 95 percent of the people are going to be listening to that track on their laptop or on their ipod yeah the or they're just time. absorbed into the night and they're like, you could be playing any tune right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're still going to go off that's to it. it. Yeah. And that's yeah. when it starts getting generic and you start making the same stuff. When you start making music for reactions, you're done. Mm-hmm. For me, I'd, I'd rather make a tune that people stand there and go... But everyone falls in that trap, though. You fall <laughs> in sure. that trap Good. as well, though, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We all fall in the trap. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're so away, you're away then home for a couple of days, then got mm-hmm. a few more shows, then home for a couple of days. I've you end up just making dance floor yeah. bangers with big build-ups and heavy drops. Yeah. And mm-hmm. You can't, it gets boring Everyone's for I mean, everyone. We've both been victim of that. And yeah, realising, though, and changing that, I think, mm-hmm. like I said, making people not, and kind of having to think about it, mm-hmm. For me, it's perfect. Mm. Mm. I'd rather you tell me you don't like it because that's great for me. It's because you don't get it yet. 
mm-hmm. which means I'm doing some futuristic shit. <laughs> so when it comes round, oh you're gonna God, be like, "That's terrible." I do get it. And that's what Dubstep was though. People didn't get it, did they? They were like, that's "True." It, it just sounds like true, pots yeah. and pans, yeah. like really slow though. It sounds like you're just stoned. You're like, "Yeah, maybe." And suddenly it's like the biggest thing in the Slow world. down pots and plans. What do you think was the tipping point? In what? In like people didn't get dubstep and then they did and it became so mainstream. Like what helped break, what helped the breakthrough? The acceptance of media, radio play, all mm-hmm. the kind of other crap. Do you know what I mean? That people may, might go to. I think to. our looks as well. Like our, our looks, how we physically look. Definitely. <laughs> no doubt. But they needed a, a couple, of, couple of handsome faces to front the... The dubstep campaign for sure. <laughs> I think that was definitely a big part. Sorry. Well, so think about that though. Um, uh, you know, Fabric Live was kind of a, a breaking point for it you. Was, yeah, yeah. And um, so, how how big was that? And and give us like, you know, take us kind of back to that moment when it was blowing up, and and what did that feel like? Oh wow! Well, the crazy thing about that CD is it was for a lot of countries around the world it was the only dubstep cd you could go and buy in and you know in a normal kind of cd short store where you'd buy britney spears or whatever so yeah. tons and tons of countries that was like the only cd that you could buy so that was like the only dubstep cd kids had in their cars when they were going to school and stuff like that for there was a couple of years where that was the case mm-hmm. in so many places that 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 was like such a huge a huge thing for us it was mm. such a major boost because we would you know the uh, the other dubstep cats would be you know playing in germany and plays and we'd be going to like ukraine and going to all these other crazy places because mm. just so that, that fabric you know whoever whoever does all their cds has good distribution all around sure. the world you know it's yeah. like well respected and you can get those cds everywhere so i suppose people heard of it that was yeah. that was huge but Maybe that wasn't accessible to them straight mm-hmm. away, but mm-hmm. with the fabric thing, it was everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of people's access, first introduction yeah. to yeah. like, oh, I can go and buy this CD from the shop and put it on. Oh, what's this? Oh my God, this is it. This is dubstep. And that's what it got. Kind of, that was people's kind of like Bible as it was. Do you know what I'm saying? To dubstep. Mm-hmm. So how does that change the game for you guys? Well, we didn't. What I think we knew what we was doing was wicked and it was important for us and great and would get some shows out of it, and it'd be cool. We knew that. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. Right, that's true, yeah. Like, we wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Was there a moment where you guys looked at each other and you're like, fuck, this is really... Exit, this really Exit Festival, yeah. We yeah. played after uh, right after Lily Allen yeah, on the main stage. No, it was, it was Lily Allen, Arctic Monkeys, that's and then Casper Roscoe. That's it, yeah. Crazy. yeah. And it was like 30,000 people. Yeah. And this is 2009. This is like a year after the CD. Yeah. <laughs> What? Yeah, What's happening there? Yeah, that was crazy. Ah, and people were singing the tunes. Yeah. Right. Like Jehovah. Yeah, people were yeah. singing yeah. the hook of Jehovah. And I'm like, he made this in his bedroom in Acton. Right. Yeah. What yeah. are you not singing it for? This is Serbia. How do you not know about this? Yeah, that's what we knew. It was like in Serbia, and you couldn't see the back of the crowd. You couldn't see where the the, yeah the end of the crowd. There's so many people singing along to that. Yeah, that's what we knew. So when you guys went your separate ways, were you guys worried about like how to keep the fan base together? 
Um, not, not really. really. No, it was it was the same. It, you know, it was the same fan base. You know, there was right. it was there was unless it so happened that we were playing in the same city on the same night, which I don't think ever happened. That would be the only time it would really mm. be an issue. I don't think we have the same yeah. the same audience. I think this it, it's in a way they get twice as much music. Yeah. You know, if they, mm -hmm. they get like a new Casper album right. every couple of years and a new Rusko album every couple of years. They get a, you know, Casper show every time he tours and a mm -hmm. Rusko show every time I tour. So yeah, essentially, if you're a fan of the music and what we do, I suppose us doing our separate thing, you kind of got twice as much shows mm. and music wise. Yeah. In and, a way. And we'd, uh, that was the question for years that we'd, um, funny because I remember texting and we were saying, oh, geez, if we had like a, a cent for every time someone said, when are you going to come back here with Rusko? I was like, we wouldn't have to DJ. Anymore. Oh yeah, mm. it was like the question. That was the question. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, I love what you oh, do. Oh, that's been the most asked question. But when you playing yes. with Rusko? I was like, yes. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah, mm -hmm. I maybe never. Some, I was, it got to a point where I was like, never. Oh, I've never said never. No, I, I just said never because it was like <laughs> constantly asked me, never. and I was like, I don't yeah. think it's never gonna happen. Right. It's been this long. I, it might not. Yeah, that's it. I'm always yeah. like, I just be willing to accept that. Maybe. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Never. That's how it was, but yeah, individually we were kind of, we would roll through the city sometimes. Rusko would be one week, I'd be there the other. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's it. Yeah. yeah, and we was on the circuit at the same time, so mm. that made it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's happened, you know, uh, I think it's always been this way more so in the UK, but in the US, brands have really gotten involved. Yeah. In dance music, right? Mm. You know, Seven Up's got a big campaign. You know, Scion, Red yeah. Bull. Um, you know, how does that? How does that change things? Do you think it does? In what way do you mean? I don't know. Is, is it, um, well, like when you guys think about, you know, working with a brand or brands just being involved in the festivals or in, mm. in the culture in general, do you think that that has an impact on? Your brand. Hmm. I mean, I personally, I it's here nor there for me. Okay. Mm. If the event's sponsored by blah, 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 and they're giving out free blah, 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 Yeah. good for them. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I ain't going to stand on stage with a can of blah, blah, blah and be sure. like, yeah, yeah, that's not what we do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather not do that. If yeah. it feels right and natural, mm -hmm. I feel like, for me anyway, I feel like, yeah, cool. We'd, if it fits in what we do, we, we do something. But I don't... I think you can get so caught up in that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And brands can get so caught up in that idea. And I don't know. I just feel like people can see through stuff very easily. Yeah. So you've got to be careful with it. I mean, we done the we done the Zion back in the day. We done a Zion CD with them when it was. I think we done the we done the first dubstep thing with them. Mm -hmm. That was like 2009. Yeah. And we done a tour of it. Yeah. They understood what we were trying to do, and it worked. Yeah. Um, maybe it won't work now, but at the time it just did. Mm -hmm. So. That's what what, what do you think worked about it? They just was willing to understand how we want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when brands come in and they want to kind of do stuff with you, they have a vision of how they want to do it, which is cool. But I think... They have no experience. No experience. Doing what we do. Mm -hmm. and, I, right. and I feel like it's a point where you need to work really with the brand to go, well, trust us. Mm -hmm. Like, if we do it more this way, it's going to be a little bit more natural. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But as far as brands and that go, I mean, it's in America more so. It's way more present. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I was just gonna ask you. Yeah. Like, way more present. Hundred percent. Yeah. And artists. It don't. I really don't even notice though. Really easily. Yeah. 
No. You know, yeah. you see it on most flyers, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sponsored by this, that, and sure. these things happening. But I don't even know. Yeah, I don't think anyone tends. really cares. No. Sort of glides yeah. past, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, the Zion thing worked. It just worked, and it was right. And they were just like, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Cool, we want to put out a CD. Cool, that's fine. Download for free. Cool, fine. Whatever, want to do small club shows. Cool, we want it to be get free to get in. Cool, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, right. You guys are cool. You're yeah. a Toyota. We thought you was going to be a bit more, no, you have to do this, do that. Oh, no, this is going to work out. Yeah. And we've done it because it was right for the music and it, it translated. I think people are not stupid. That's the way I see it. If you're trying to flog, flog them something and they're just going to be like, mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like a fine line. Well, that's cool to hear you yeah. say. So uh, we started that program for Cyan mm. when it was all the hip-hop stuff. Mm. And it was exactly what you said, right? It's like, let the artists do what they want to do. Yeah. Give something to the people, free shows, yeah. you know, whatever that they're not getting otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, a lot of brands miss that. And it made so much sense. Yeah. Why spend so much money on a TV advert that's probably not going to hit anywhere near your target audience? Right. Mm. Just send out some people who that your target audience yeah. love and let them do what they do and just back it. Mm-hmm. That's but essentially what they've done. Right. Love it. And they yeah. did Scion socks, which were really yeah, comfortable. Yeah, yeah, the socks were They were good. amazing socks. <laughs> yeah. Side note. Do you still no. have some? Uh, yeah, somewhere. They were yeah, so good. Like somewhere around. Good. <laughs> what you guys maybe don't know is we our full-time jobs is running a marketing agency doing okay. oh. really cool pop-up experiences and yeah. social. So mm. a little bit of Well, I think, in the, do you know what, as well, in the right circumstance, it works. Mm-hmm. Branding, yeah. but I feel like it's more like commercially it works better. Yeah, I feel like where it doesn't work with the underground so much is they just clash too much. Sure. Right. Brands yeah. don't get it, and artists don't want to do it. Do you mm. think they don't want to do it because the audience just doesn't? They don't want to see you in that position. People see. I mean, I've signed up to yeah. do stuff before. I won't say with who, mm-hmm. and I was a bit dubious about, it and I'd done it, and I was like, I knew that it was going to be like this. I yeah. wish I just left it. Right. Do you know so, what I'm saying? It's just, it, it translates, and I think people are like, they actually can't, you don't have to do this, you know? Like, we'll, really? come, we're, we'll come to the show. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Why am I doing it then? <laughs> Business reasons. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, someone's putting a check in your face, right? Yeah. Sometimes that's hard to walk away from. Definitely, but, you know, if you took every check that was put in your face, where would right. you be? Yeah. At some point, you've got to just go, thank you, but I'm all right. So let's follow that a little bit. What, what, feels what would feel like selling out to you and, and how how do you how do you navigate that mm. Mm. i think if we uh if we booked a load of reunion gigs as casper rusco without making any new music together and just sort of showed up mm. uh, to do a reunion just relying on playing all our old tunes sure. and then, then going home and calling it a day. Um, that would definitely feel like selling out. Mm. But I so say with the whole album's worth of try I mean we've been spending we've been spending a day in a rehearsal space every week with decks set up in like a band rehearsal room, like like going th- going through the set over and over, mm. like getting it all tightened up and stuff. You know, we've been putting a putting a show together. It's yeah. The total opposite of that. But yeah, I think if we were just kind of showing up, getting back together and just kind of relying on the old tracks that everyone loves and mixing them together and then going home and getting the money, that would that would feel crappy and people yeah. would see through that. Yeah, I think but sell that out. That would feel like selling out for sure. Mm-hmm. Sell out's like a, a loose word, isn't it, as sure. well? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I suppose because what is selling out really? Like, wh what does it mean? You're selling out for what for the money, the fame. Essentially, yeah. Mm -hmm. I suppose like, geez, then we've all sold out a long time ago. Mm -hmm. What what point do you go? I want to do it for the underground, and at what point do you go? I actually just want to do this. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And the way I see it is, if you can put your hand up and go, yeah, that's me in a crowd room, or mm -hmm. yeah, I done that, mm -hmm. then it's not selling out. Absolutely. If you do this, who done that? That's yeah. selling out. Right. Because you're not comfortable doing it. Yeah. As long as you're comfortable doing it, for me, it's here or there. Because people are just going to say it anyway. When we done the Fabric CD, oh, you sold out dubstep. Why? Mm. Because if we weren't going to do it, someone else was going to do it, sure, and it's yeah. probably going to be worse. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Much yeah. worse. Mm -hmm. So we've just done what we've done. Mm -hmm. Took an opportunity, we thought it was right, and look mm -hmm. where we are. Yeah. So for me, that's that's what it means to me. Yeah, I like that. Um, sticking with the business theme for a minute, what um, what about merch? How important is that in, for right, you guys? I mean, right now, we're doing one show, so mm -hmm. not necessarily like that important. Yeah. Um, maybe is, later on down the line. Is it still all about selling merch uh, at a show, or how big is is you know the internet and social media f for you guys? Mm. Uh, shows is still more. Yeah. Shows is still a much higher percentage mm. than than online mm. and, and Facebook and stuff. Definitely, mm -hmm. I would say with merch. But no, we we we're giving away like stickers and lighters and stuff for free at the show, right? Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, that's that's as far as it's going so far, freebies. Mm -hmm. I think, again, merch is important, but also I think you have to be really realistic with it. People come into your show and they're spending $20. Yeah. All right, they've probably got a cab there or someone's given a lift. They've chipped in for petrol. That's another $10. They're going to come in, they're going to buy a few drinks. That's $60. Mm. You're selling merchandise and you're selling overpriced crap T-shirts. And that's for, they haven't got $100. Mm-hmm. Let's be. Let's keep the ticket price reasonable. Mm. Yeah. Let's try and do it places where we can. That's going to be reasonable, like for drinks. Let's try and keep merchandise reasonable. Because if you can't afford it, what's the point of having it? It's no point sitting in the loft or in the basement, just there. Mm -hmm. I'd rather someone walk around with it and going, "Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of this." So for me, it's like merch is important, mm -hmm. but I also feel like you can get so caught up in doing everything and anything in merch right. and charging a fortune for it. It's actually. I don't think it's actually translating the way you want it to. Yeah. So I think it's a fine thing. Less is more. And think of it from a, a punter's point of view. You don't want to spend $40 on a Fruit Loom thin see-through T-shirt that shrinks in the wash. Right. You, if you're going to spend that money, you want a half-decent yeah. T-shirt. Yeah. So I think, if you again, if you do it, mm -hmm. do it properly and do it reasonable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we, you know, we was all in that situation once going to a show. Sure. Yeah, that's true. But that's it's important. I, mean, I, know, I know for bands, that's like their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. on oh, the road because yeah. they don't make no money so the merch is what they split and make right. money yeah. but I think in what we do it's important but it, I think it's just a little cherry on top mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah, yeah. so who's um, who are you guys checking for now DJs, producers like what what's exciting you Gri like UK out? Grime at the moment yeah mm. um, the revival of the UK Grime because I used to play and collect all the old stuff so just going through the old old hard drive of having all the stuff and that's really exciting. I mean, Skep turn, Jamie. Yeah. Definitely. Both of those guys. One line flows, yeah, I got some of those. You get me, Jamie? Easy. 
Nah, nah, that's not me. Act like a waste man, that's not me. Sex any girl, nah, that's not me. Lips any girl, nah, that's not me. Yeah, I used to wear Gucci, I put it all in the bin, cause that's not me. True, I used to look like you, but dressing like a mess, nah, that's not me. It's the return of the Mac, I'm still alive just like you. There's a bunch of new guys. I mean, that in general was kind of influencing both of us, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, big time. When we were writing chains. Yeah, big time. Um, I think we're keeping it very traditional, very at home, very in London. Mm -hmm. We're going back to our local influences. We're not trying to look too far afield. Um, There's some jungle cats called uh, Sterling Sound Kay. and K-Jar as well. They're like making new school jungle that's like sounds proper old school, but really crispy and nice and yeah. heavy fat sounding yeah so yeah i've been mixing a lot of that in my little at home practice sessions on the ones and twos nice um yeah that's yeah yeah i think Good outside of that it's like i me personally i'm not i'm not really kind of i never have though really is looked too hard mm -hmm. i listen to a lot of hip-hop um i always have but that's really new hip-hop I mean, it's hard. Hip hop is such a loose term now. You say hip hop, and then you go, "Oh, look, Rick Ross, that's not hip hop." Right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I suppose if the umbrella's hip hop, I listen to everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? New stuff, old stuff. What do you like that's new? Uh, what was I listening to the other day? Um, there's a few like Young Chop beats. I was listening to. I like like the kind of new trap style hip hop mm -hmm. because it reminds me of really early dubstep. Sure. Stripped back, bassy, gritty. Yeah. Um, not very well produced. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, and that's yeah, what yeah, no, that's totally. that's what I love about it. Mm -hmm. That's like, what I love that's, about grime. Yeah, and yeah, grime's yeah, exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. And that's why kind of, there's a fusion right now in the UK of kind of like trap influence from the states and the UK grime, mm. and that's really merging. Well, that's what we have to do when we've been making some of the Casper Roscoe tracks that have been more grime influenced. That's one of the things we've been actually consciously been having to be like, yeah. you know, don't put too much effects on it. Don't, you know, like too, keeping it, it rough. Because <laughs> it's part mm -hmm. of the sound, yeah. yeah. Certain genres, part of the sound is that it's underproduced. It's the crappiness of it. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Part of the sound. So I suppose that, really. It's hard sometimes when you've got all the everything in front of you and you're used to doing things by the book yeah. to intentionally underproduce a track. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that's the only way you can get that classic sort of jungle or grime sound. It's like the old stuff. You listen back yeah. to old mixes, you're like, exactly. that is crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like when to say stop. Mm -hmm. Well, that's one of the things that's so interesting about music, right, is that, you know, good music on paper is not, that's not what it's about, mm. right? It's about mm. how it makes you feel mm. inside, and that could be anything. It could be somebody singing off yeah. key. It could be somebody that completely fucked up the production. A lot of my early tunes are completely out of key. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know at the time. I just thought it sounded great. Yeah, <laughs> but they just they just worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like that was the rawness of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People were like, oh, okay. So it seems like <laughs> you guys have. Um, You've kind of made careers just jumping in and mm -hmm. figuring shit out as you go. Yeah. Have, have there been mentors that have helped you? And, and what's what's the most important thing that somebody taught you? Um, I think... Each other, I suppose, yeah. in a way. Yeah. It's just um, been a learning curve. Because when we got thrown into it, we didn't have anyone to go, uh, what, what do we do here? Mm. We were... Asking ourselves, no, what do we do? Anyone that had done it before. No one yeah. done it before yeah. in yeah. our scene. Mm -hmm. So we, 
we were kind of making mistakes and we try not to make mistakes along the way and do it. Right. It was later on that we became friendly with, you know, drum and bass guys, you know, that that have done this whole thing before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. But back in the day we didn't really have any we weren't really, you know, tight with people like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like just to always pick up sayings and one I picked up was um don't try and be current, just be consistent. Mm. Mm. And yeah, I thought that was good. very relevant. Uh, yeah. relevant, you know what I mean, to what we're doing and if you another one was like if you're going to fail, fail fail doing what you love. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cliche, but very true at the same time. And I think along the way, we was learning all the mm-hmm. time. And um, I'm still learning and we're still learning. But I think the difference is now is because we've done done this for a little while now. Yeah. I suppose we can look back and go, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. Right. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. do that again. That's true, no, yeah. I, I, I know where this is going. I've seen this all before. I'm all right, yeah. thanks. That's why it's exciting. Yeah. Because we can kind of, you know, I we mean, the, the plans that we're planning and, you know, yeah. everything that we've got going ahead, Casper Roscoe-wise, we're planning with the knowledge of everything we've just done and sort of making it just all about the fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, like, we're here, we're here all week. We're chilling, you know, we're not flying in for the show, doing a rushed... Right. Right. One day of press, you know, we're doing this and we're going for lunch and just, you know, it's we're just making it all about fun, really, trying yeah, to nice. enjoy it as much as possible. Well, a couple final questions, and we have a couple Twitter questions. Our Twitter's blowing up with you guys. Cool. Um, well, let's see. One of them you already answered. This is from Tory Banks eighty eight. Hey, Tory. Uh, <laughs> let's see. You already answered how big. <laughs> how big of an impact the Fabric Live mix had on the fan base. But the fo- her follow-up to that is, have you thought about another recording for Fabric Live? Cool. Ah. I haven't actually talk, spoke about it, no. Nah, no, we haven't. We've never, ever said, we should do another Fabric CD. That's true. It was what it was, in my opinion. Okay. And it's it been more it about but whole whole albums worth of collaboration tunes, really. That's, yeah. that's That's more what's planned. Yeah. More it's, satisfying for us, I it's think. Easy, I think it's easy to go, that worked, let's try it again. Oh, yeah, yeah I wouldn't... Yeah, no, 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 no. no. Fabric Live is what it is. Yeah, exactly. no, definitely not. It's yeah. like, it's like, yeah, no, 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 no. That was what it's it was. It's like Home time. Alone 2 or something. <laughs> oh, no, that was actually all right. Home Alone 3. Oh, yeah. They tried to push it and it was Well, like, if you change your mind, then Tory Banks 88 gets a free ticket to the release party no we're just sure. yeah no we're just planning Fabric whole Live whole full length lps of, of 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 original tracks yeah that's definitely yeah what 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 to expect mm. nice mm. um and my my last question is what uh what's the best business decision you guys have made oh jeez. for me it was uh moving to los angeles mm. um because i do a lot of writing and other stuff on the side mm-hmm. music wise so and of course, being over here when dubstep exploded in the U.S. So, for me, it was moving moving to the states. Yeah. Um. I think <laughs> saving the money for the tax man. Yeah. <laughs> because you know what? No, it's be tr- to be truthful, right? A big one. When we started earning decent money, there was no one to sort of say, "Don't do this, don't oh, do that." True, I'll yeah. put this in your bank, and because t- you're gonna have a you no. just roll along. You know, like yeah. you see like NBA stars and they're suddenly they're broke and you're like, you signed like a $16 million contract because yeah. yeah. they had no one to give them financial yeah, advice. Like we didn't know how big it was going to be and we mm-hmm. were just kind of rolling along. I suppose in my mind, I was just, I always put a little bit away for the rainy day and it happened. The tax man knocked on my door <laughs> and took everything, but I had it. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose for me, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have been 
like, able to do anything now. You're not the first one to say that. No, you're that's so great. DJ, you know, I wish know. I had someone straight away going, look, just be yeah. a little bit right. with this and with that. But like I said, we were just learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I suppose for me, that's been able me able me to do this still. Yeah. So yeah, I'm thankful that I did put it away for a rainy day. No, that's great. We had a story um, uh, from Richard Vision, who's a big LA house DJ. He said, it, you know, his first big publishing check, he was driving around a piece of shit, beat up car, and he was on his way to the dealer, you know, with the check, and his business manager said, you're not going to go buy a car, you're going to go buy a house. And he went and bought a, you know, reasonable house, but, you know, he was 22 years old, he had no yeah. interest in a house, yeah. but she made him do it, and, you know, he said that's been one of the best yeah. decisions he's made, because he still has the house, and, mm-hmm. and he's been able to weather the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's been a, it's probably kept him in check to be able to go. I don't have to go and get a real job to pay that rent every month. I can yeah. kind of just survive yeah, on a couple gigs. Yeah, you do what you love. Yeah. yeah. I have one last question. Oh, being an artist is definitely not an easy road. You know, sometimes it could take years, mm. even decades, to blow up and really yeah. become popular and have a fan base. What have you guys sacrificed to get to this point? Oh. Several relationships. <laughs> yeah, a marriage, several relationships. A uh, couple of bones. A <laughs> 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 couple of ribs. A lot of brain cells. <laughs> um, yeah, I think from my side, the biggest thing was being able not to do for years birthdays, weddings, mm. yeah. get-togethers. Yeah. Like, because there's a whole side of DJ and it's not talked about, which is, for me, is very dark. And, um, but there's a whole other ball game mm-hmm. of it. And the realism, you go on tour for six weeks and you don't speak to anyone, you hardly speak to anyone. Then you come back and you hit people up, for instance, and you're like, it's a Monday. Oh, do you want to go out and grab a drink? Oh, I can't, I've got work tomorrow. Right. Mm. Oh, okay. What about Saturday? I can't Saturday, I'm in Belgium. Sunday, I'm in Holland. Right. What Monday? And I'm back at work. <laughs> so you're just constantly by yourself. Yeah. yeah. You tour and you go to a hotel room, you sit in a hotel room, you go to the show, you come mm-hmm. back, you get on a plane by yourself, you come back, you're at the flat by yourself, all your mates are at work. Mm. Like, it's lonely. Yeah. <laughs> so I think being able to nice. cope with yourself, mm-hmm. being an artist, because there's, there's a lot of time you're just in your zone and you're mm-hmm. by yourself doing yeah. what you do. Being able to cope sense. with everything else and not being there for people and go, don't worry, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. Because in three years' time, I'm going to take this much time off and we can do all that stuff. Right. Yeah. It's been able to see past that. I, I totally admire that. I mean, I try to spend time alone and in my creative zone, and I can't do it without like having or feeling guilty not seeing my mm. friends or family. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to so, give that sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, everything, everything's a sacrifice. Nice. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for being here. Yeah. I appreciate you no coming problems. on Rebel yeah, Radio. Cool, Come back anytime. You're here to promote something. You're always welcome. Yeah. Respect. Appreciate well, that. Yeah. Thanks, nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. Let us know what you thought. Hit us up on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. Hit us on Facebook with a comment. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tell a friend. Come back next week for more Rebel Radio.